Welcome to the first episode of Cardboard Crack. I'm Jonathan Landreth. I'm John Anderson. How you doing, John? Doing pretty good. J.A. Ja. I'm just going to call you various names as we go along <laughs> until one sticks. I say I'm sure we'll find something that sticks. Yeah, as soon as people on the forums start calling you by a certain name, that's the one that's going to stick. Awesome. Are we uh, getting our own form, or are we piggybacking on uh, dice bags? Uh, I figure for now, I want to piggyback everything on dice bags, because I don't know if people are going to listen to this. Uh, sounds good. I've been doing dice bags for a while, and there's, if there's one thing I figured out is that their audience, not our audience. <laughs> so. Okay. So best to be attached to them in every way, shape, and form. Don't you see? It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, first of all, I guess we should uh, get started into who we are and why the hell we're doing this. I'll let you start. Well, I'm John Anderson. I'm from South Dakota, and there's nothing to do up here, obviously. Now, I've been playing Magic since the late 90s-ish. Um, according to the DCI, my first major event that I registered for was back in 1998, and that was our regional tournament, which I did horrible at. I think my record there was, according to their website, like two and six. So I've slowly been getting better. Um, no, so I've been playing Magic for quite a while, not consistently off and on, but I'm back in the game now, and that's what matters. And what spurred you to get back into the game now? Um, it's an addiction. You never actually kick the habit. That's right. <laughs> and I, and I was I was promising you that sweet nectar of the gods. Pretty much. Like yeah, I have a group here that I play with, but scheduling's hard. Yeah, we all work different hours and whatnot. But um, then I found out I could play online, so I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Magic Workstation. Speaking of which, do you ever play any uh, MTGO? No, I think that's a fucking crock. Honestly, I'm not going to spend money on cards that I don't actually own. Yeah, uh, my, my exact feeling. I, uh, you know, I'm all in on paper magic, and uh, you know, a lot of people get criticized for using Magic Workstation. But uh, I mean, for me, I can't, I can't spend money on both virtual cards and physical cards. I have to go one or the other. So yeah, pretty much. If they made something where it was cheaper or had a better trade-in program than maybe. But, yeah, I can't split my resources that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just too hard uh, when you when you've, uh, are addicted. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't split that addiction up. It's like being, it's like being addicted to both heroin and cocaine. Yeah, true, true. Um, so... How long have you been playing, Jonathan? Uh, I started when I was 16. I played for a very brief time before getting heavy into D&D, which cut my magic playing time out completely. Um, I came back during Time Spiral Block. Uh, so when you were 16? So that was like what? Mirrodin? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that... Uh, that uh, Damn, uh, back when I was 16, I wasn't even aware of the sets, really. Okay. Like, I I was so bad. Like, I think back to those first decks I built. Oh, they're never good. 
oh, and those games I played, like, I, I had no grasp of the game whatsoever. You know, anyone who says this is a kid's game, like, I think of myself at 16, and I was so ignorant to all of the ins and outs and, and nuances of Magic. Yeah, when I started playing, I believe Ice Age was out, was the current current set. Okay. So, and then I played pretty heavily up through um, Masks Block, which was right after Urza. And then that's when I started, you know, in and out for a while. I'd play for a few blocks, miss for a few blocks. So, most recently I played through... Um, what was the set after Time Spiral? Lor- Lorwind. Yeah, I played through Lorwind, and then skipped out now up until the current Type 2 environment. Very similar to me there. I played from the beginning of Time Spiral block up until the end of Lorwind block, and that's when I dropped out for financial reasons and moving to Alabama. But, uh... I just couldn't stay away, and I blame it all on Duels of the Planeswalkers for the <laughs> Xbox 360. Oh yeah, that that's actually relatively fun. Yeah, I I started playing that, and it made me want to play Real Magic. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I just I couldn't stay away. So I came back. I I knew a new course that was coming out with the release of uh, M11, and so I figured that was a perfect jumping back on point. Yeah, you know, I'm loving the solid set, and with standard just rotating now is a good time to get get back in. Yeah, I I, I knew immediately I wanted to uh, build up my collection starting with Zendikar block. Uh, that way, I was going to be preparing myself for the rotation, especially with all of the money that I spend in Magic cards. That wasn't very hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But. Uh, yeah, one of the reasons uh, I wanted to do this podcast is because uh, magic's on my mind all the time, and I can't talk about it on Kicked in the Dice Bags, so I figured I needed to find an outlet to uh, have magic discussion, uh, mostly because I want to be better at magic, and I believe that when you're thinking about magic and uh, discussing magic and exchanging ideas, it makes you better at magic. Oh, definitely. I mean, plus now we have, you know, a playtest group, and, you know, with Magic Workstation makes it simple. So, yeah, I definitely also, um, now I have some new advanced ideas off of, you know, talk strategy, talk decks. I definitely, definitely will be, will get better at this now. And it, it'll be interesting because it seems like I mean my my initial impression last week when I was playing with you online is that you and I are two very different types of magic players. Oh, probably. Um, you seem to be the epitome of uh, of a green mage. <laughs> <laughs> I like speed. Like I love aggro decks. Um, they're they're fun to play. You know, that's that's my whole thing. Every now and then, I I don't I don't mind a good blue blue control deck, but control usually seems less fun than just you know aggro and or aggro burn. Uh, whereas whereas I barely play any aggro decks uh, normally. I I play a lot of control 
and I think about control first and foremost, like, how am I going to draw more cards and counter more spells? How am I going to make the game less fun for the guy <laughs> sitting across from me? Because if we're both swinging in the red zone, that's just way too much fun for everybody. So I got to keep control over <laughs> over what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, above and beyond, though, I love a good combo deck. Really? Yeah, I, I think that's just a product of uh, the fact that I played heavily during Urza Block, where everything was out of control. But it's, yeah, I love a good combo deck. Yeah, and I've gotten some hints uh, playing with you, but uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your thought on, on the route that Magic has taken over the years? Ooh, it's, it's been a bumpy ride, and 90% of the time they don't make it... it their decisions don't make any sense to me. Um, Brainstorm's like the prime example of how it was, you know, good and decent and uh, pretty much a staple. And then they printed some less good versions of it, and then, you know, I think at one point it was... Was it restricted and extended? And or, or What's Brainstorm? What? Brainstorm? <laughs> well, the, therein lies the second part. It was a very good card that they were always like, this is too good. And now it's the free ability on the new Jace. Which, uh, Jace being an $80 card. Which, card, don't get me started on card prices. I mean, that's um, that has no bearing. Grand, there's a market for it, and people will pay 80 bucks, so it's obviously worth it. Yeah, but, I remember back in the day where it was like, man, am I really going to shell out $7 to get a playset of Avatar of Woe? <laughs> see, that seemed like the highest I could ever go for a magic yeah. card. Oh hell, I shelled out ten dollars for my playset of Beta Dark Rituals. So, but the yeah, so things like that. But it's up and down right now. Magic seems very well put together and a lot more stable, especially when you look back on things like Urza Block, where you had crazy combo decks just doing all sorts of things. Like, Bargain was obviously the top deck for at that time. Um, are you familiar with any of these old decks, Jonathan? No. I mean, I've heard about, like, Stacks <laughs> or <laughs> Stokes or... I don't know. I, I I run away scared when I hear people talking about uh, Vintage and, and Legacy stuff. Okay. Um, it's funny, because the easiest way to explain Bargain is to say it's like a Necropotence deck, but you probably don't know what that is either. So. No, that's, that was also before my time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems that they've done a very good job of putting together um, the new sets in terms of theme and power base. Like, there's obviously cards that stick out as obviously better, but there's also a lot of really solid commons and uncommons. I can't agree with that. Did you say you can or can't? I can. Yeah. I, the the Mythic Rare thing, I, from a player's perspective, I think is bullshit. From a marketing perspective, it's brilliant. Right. So I won't give them too hard of a time on that. Yeah. But I don't know. Is I think Magic's probably more solid and better now than it was 10 years ago, but I don't necessarily think it's more fun. I'd say it's probably equal, equal. But I don't know... Yeah, I think it's definitely more fun, but I might I might be going on the perspective of I know what I'm doing now. True. So it, it I because back in the day it was like and back in the day there was no like talk of like 
Uh, is that a Type 2 deck, or what are you playing there? It was just anyone came to the table with anything at the local shop, so... Well, that's half the fun. <laughs> well, it it is if you've been around for a while. For the guys <laughs> for the guys that were just getting in, like myself, it's it's definitely a, a put off, and and I still see shops that do that where you know they, they you sit down and people are playing with very old cards, uh, and you don't know what they do, and they put together these crazy combinations with them. And for for a guy who's you know just got say a collection that starts with Zendikar block. You're just like, oh, it's like hard to even build a deck that I want to play. The well, see that their line's half the point. If you can take your type two deck and you know at least try to compete against them and do well, at least you have a decent deck. On the flip side, locally with my my friends group, we have the general rule where we, unless we're you know actively trying to play type two, we usually just play you know with the type one restricted list because you have to have some form of, you know, uh, structure. But aside from that, yeah. Well, we, we, games, had, we had much those... more structure in my in my play group because uh, uh, back in Tampa, we, we only played Type 2, which was sort, sort of the, the fun of the whole thing was that when, when Rotation came out, I mean, we all had kitchen table casual decks, you know, a lot of tribal stuff before tribal was cool, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And so... It was it was very interesting to have to take cards that rotated out out of your decks, and still try to keep your deck together with adding in new cards that, you know, sort of did the same thing. See, we we're, we're the opposite side of that, where we have just decks with pretty much anything in it, and it's trying to fit the new cards that match into it into it while still maintaining the integrity of the deck. Which, if you've never played a really solid fun you know, extended or vintage deck, you really should should try it sometime. I mean, not the, like, crazy powerhouses that go through the tournaments, but just a good, casual, extended, or vintage deck. Well, extended has gotten much more playable uh, with the, uh, new, the new extended format, uh, which only goes back four years. You knew about that, right? Um, y- no... I, I really there's I don't have enough good cards for extended, so I never really paid attention for it, or to what was going on with with extended. Yeah, they uh, they changed extended where it only went back four years. So before Scars of Mirrodin came out, extended was only time spiral up. Which oh, if okay. I if I still had my old collection would have been perfect for me. I would have loved it because right. <laughs> I'm like I have everything but Alara block and M10. <laughs> I might be able to compete. Uh, that seems like a weak extended environment. Uh you know, and it. I I watched uh, the extended tournament in. Uh, where were they at? Recently. Sydney. No, it was the Pro Tour. Um. Pro Tour Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Okay. Yeah, I watched the Pro Tour Amsterdam and uh, and the decks. I was surprised by a lot of the decks, and especially a lot of the stuff currently in Standard that were getting played. Um, I mean, Time Spiral added a lot to that, Time Spiral and Lorewind and all that. But uh, you saw a lot of the staples, a lot of the the big Standard staples still made appearances 
in those in those old decks. Uh, you know, the only difference was there was a whole lot of combo that showed up that day that but, wouldn't that wouldn't work now. Right. Uh, and it didn't work. Uh, the top eight <laughs> the top eight featured no combo. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of combo like there was like an ad nauseum deck that and things like that but uh it ended up the the tournament finals ended up being this uh this Doran beatdown deck which they were calling Treehouse <laughs> versus uh White Weenie. Yeah, White Weenie is always a pretty solid choice regardless of format. Yeah, and especially that being a new format that was untested, and it was only going to be around for that one tournament because once Scars came out, Time Spiral Block rotated out of Extended. Oh, yeah. So now it's Lorwyn Block up is Extended. That's still, you know, that doesn't seem like it's that old of a of a playset. Ah, but it's still a lot of sets. You've got, uh, you've got Lorwyn Block, you've got uh, M10, Shards of Alara Block... Uh, Zendikar block, M11, and now Scars of Mirrodin, all making yeah. up extended. Yeah, and pretty much anything else that you want to play with, you can just find a vintage tournament, I guess. Yeah, keep yeah, go to your own vintage tournament and keep it away from our tables. Well, the problem with that is, is say there's no mid ground now between vintage and extended, is that there's a lot of playsets between. Um, well, Time Spiral, which is the newest non-extended, and Beta. Yes, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and Extended used to fill that 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 gap where you could you know you could play with some of the more modern but not ancient stuff. Because if you want to play Vintage competitively, you know there's a laundry list of expensive cards that you need. Well, it seems like there's a laundry list of expensive cards if you want to even play standard these days. <laughs> Only Jace. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else is big money. Back, back I when I was playing standard during Time Spiral Block and stuff, I could go to a tournament with a deck that maybe was valued at like 150 bucks, and that was like top tier. Now it's like 200 300 bucks for a deck for standard. Hey, I went to a standard tournament that my deck was worth ten dollars. Oh yeah, you uh, you went to states. I went to states. Lucky you! I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get to go because I didn't have a deck. I didn't want to drive an hour and a half with a deck with no rares in it, like some people I might know. (laughs) I only (laughs) drove five minutes with a deck that had no rares in it. See, that would be doable. I I could consider doing that. So uh, what what did what did you end up bringing? What was your um, list? I I took with me a standard um, green green snappy deck, and let me bring up the deck list here. That sounds it, very it, surprising for you. It seems uncharacteristic. <laughs> and well, the f- main reason why I went green snappy was that I was f- well the tournament was on Saturday. On Wednesday, I decided that I would do the tournament. So I had three days to prep. Um, I was completely unfamiliar with the environment. I didn't really have a whole lot of time to check out the local local metagame. So, and I didn't really know a whole lot of the new cards, seeing I've been out of Magic for a while. So I was like, well, I'll get something that 
will minimize me making stupid mistakes, of which I only made one, and I'll get to that after a minute, um, and that I can e- easily play. You know, so I'm like, well, I'll go to an old standby. So my deck was pretty standard. Um, I had for creatures, I was running scythe tigers. You're familiar with those, right? They're tigers that carry scythes. Essentially, yeah, it's one mana for a three-two, I believe, um, three-two green that has shroud, and when it comes into play, you sacrifice a land. Oh, okay. So it's similar to the um, there's an elephant like that way back in the day, but minus the shroud. So I was running four river boas, which are two mana for. Um, two, one, Island Walk, and Regenerate. Um, four, Garrick's Companion, which, two mana for a 3-2. Uh, four, Lanoir Elves, and four, Leatherback Balenoths. That was my creature base. And then my spell base was pretty standard. Fogs, Giant Growth, Groundswell, Praise Vengeance, and Spider Umbras. And then I threw in three Memnites and 17 Forests. Did you, uh, were you packing a sideboard? I was packing a sideboard. As much as I... It didn't do me any good, because when I sideboarded in, I rarely um, drew the cards that I had sideboarded in. And actually, looking at it now, I think I actually took the fogs out of my main deck and put them in my sideboard. Yeah, I took the fogs out, and I threw in more... um, Some more buff. Um, Looking at it, I don't quite remember which one. But yeah, neither here nor there. So... The sideboard was things like um, Acidic Slimes, Fog, um, Slice and Twain, and some other... Oh, and the Elven Archers that are one mana for a 1-3. And when they block, they get uh, plus 3, plus 0. Was that the Tel Jihad Archers? Mm, Not what I would have picked for that. And then some Plummet. That's what I would have picked for that. <laughs> for the for the kill flyer slot, I definitely would have went with plummet and figured out something else for the in place of there. I don't like the archer. You know, I do just because they're nice one drops. Like I can swap them out for like the scythe tigers or maybe the river bows. So and you know, for my as I looked back on my DCI record. And found out this was my first Type 2 constructed event in 10 years. Um, I think I, I, you know, I, I did pretty decently. I ended up going 2 and 3 for the day. It was only 5 rounds. And I ended up placing 18th out of 25. Nice. So, all, right. all in all, not bad. So, what did you see a lot of across There's the a, um A lot of... People being confused by what I was playing. <laughs> um, there was That's not Chase the Mind Sculptor? What is that card? Pretty much. It was like, who plays with the river boas? And I'm like, well, I do, and you have islands, so I'll attack with two giant growths. <laughs> but, no, there's a lot of Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, a lot of blue-white control, um, a fair amount of Valakut, um, and a fair amount of Infect, at least the ones I ended up playing against. How'd the so, effect decks do? Um, against me, they were one and one. 
There was a really nice green and black one that was well put together. That was a very close matchup with him and I. Um, where both games I had him down to ooh, the first game, I think I had him down to like three life, and the second game I had him down to one. So it was just a, if I would have drawn one more buff spell, it w- would have ran my way. And because um, he was running black green infect with buff. Okay. And it was it was, it was pretty pretty brutal, and it's much easier to do ten damage than it is twenty. Yeah, it's just getting that ten damage through. Yeah. and it's poison. So the fact that I was doing seventeen to nineteen damage by the time he was doing twenty was pretty pretty evenly evenly well paced between us. Hmm. And then the second guy with infect that I played was running a blue artifact infect um, deck, and he, here's the. The guy with islands that my riverboat has just walked all over. Nice. Yeah. So, but yeah, so a majority of blue-white control and um, Valakut. Hmm. It was funny because before the tournament, as we were sitting around all just sort of chit-chatting, um, there's a lot of a lot of talk about um, Venzer, right? Venzer? Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. And how one guy was talking very loudly about how he'd been reading online that Menzer's crap and that he's, you know, not going to get a lot of play this weekend and, you know, pretty much just spouting how much Menzer's no good. Then the guy was playing blue-white control with Menzer in it. So I was like, oh, what's going on here? Well, I mean, a lot of times that'll happen. I I remember a uh, draft that I took first place undefeated in that draft, and it uh, it was Shards of Alara block just a random draft mm-hmm. and uh i had no idea what like how to draft shards of alara i had never done it before the guys i was playing against had drafted quite a bit of alara and uh so i just listened to what they were talking about and they're like oh you know this is crap don't draft this i drafted everything that they said not to mm-hmm. <laughs> which led me a victory because no one no one saw it coming. Oh yeah. So, I I'm given the option. I always prefer limited to constructed, just because it tends to fit my budget better. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd much rather go and spend the twenty or thirty bucks on a draft than the three hundred on a on a deck. Yeah, I'm I'm glad uh, a lot of the Grand Prix tournaments are limited formats because that's uh that's where i'm headed in uh in november i'm going to grand prix nashville excellent in november or december i'm actually thinking about taking a small drive and going to one of the uh uh, ptqs that are in the region yeah but neither of us have any idea what to do if we qualify (laughs) for a pro tour but pretty much and that's the well the nashville ptq not ptq grand prix is that for the paris magic weekend uh that is that's for pro tour paris um is paris actually a pro tour because i haven't seen it called that yet paris paris is the first pro tour of the year okay because all the ptqs are still saying unknown and a lot of the Grand Prix stuff I was reading was still calling it just Magic Weekend Paris. Uh, it was announced uh, during the coverage for uh, Pro Tour Amsterdam that the first uh, the first Pro Tour of the year will be in February, and it'll be for uh, 
for Pro Tour Paris and the Grand Prix for the rest of the year specifically say that they seed into Pro Tour Paris. Oh, excellent then. Do you, do you have your passport? No. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went to a Grand Prix was not not good. It was uh, it was Lorwyn sealed and uh, like I fancy myself to be a pretty pretty decent limited player. Like I'm much better in limited than I am in constructed. However, sealed is not my forte, and I did not win a game in nine rounds of sealed at uh, Grand Prix Daytona. Did you play all nine rounds? No. Oh, did you play three? <laughs> yes. Once I knew that there was no way I was going to make day two, I'm like, well, it's a long drive back. Might as well get started now. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to get better at Constructed, which, uh, you know, that involves testing and things like that, which has been hard for me to do until I met good old John Anderson. Well, yeah, now I can, uh, we can get your chops in on the drafting with Magic Workstation and you know, various other resources. Yes. And uh, this Friday I plan on going to a sealed event. I, I, I want to get as many sealed events in as I can with Scars of Mirrodin before I am going and trying to win money off of it. I wish that we had more sealed events around here that were not on weekends. Like, if there's, like, a Wednesday night sealed event, that would be awesome. You typically but, work on the weekends? Oh, no, I have a normal office job. But um, weekends are my time with my girlfriend. So I typically don't do things like magic or game with my buddies on the weekends. You mean your girlfriend does not want you to, does not want to watch you play magic all Correct. night? Correct. That blows my mind. Like, I, and it's not even. Oh, it's not even that. It's like I, given the option, I'd rather spend time with her than play magic. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll understand when you get older. Yeah, I, I've, I'd rather spend time with my girlfriend than, than get another rock as well. Sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we did some uh, testing tonight, as we will every night before we record. Yep. Uh, and uh, we were checking out Valakut Ramp. And, uh, John, this is not uh, the venereal disease that you have. This is the deck that's smashing face uh, at many a tournament table lately. Which slightly boggled my mind going into this. I you know, looked at the deck list, looked at the cards, and all I could think of was that there's going to be a quick red or quick green deck or a quick red-green deck that just cruises in and totally throws this thing against the rocks. Because in my, well, experience looking back on previous standard cycles, there's always been a really solid deck that takes, uh, we'll say, five to eight turns to set up, and in that time gets its head smashed in by a quick aggro deck. But the... Ba- balancing factor, if you will, to that in the past has been that the aggro deck always gasses out against the other control decks. So it's always been, well, not always, but the ones I've paid attention to have been, you know, almost like a rock, paper, scissors type of standard format. 
But yeah, Valakut, it's after playing a few few matches tonight, it's a a it's a solid deck, so props to whoever actually designed it. Um and it when it runs smoothly, it's quite quite the beast. Yeah, uh, we were able to get three games in with it, uh, with sideboarding. Yep, well, three three matches. Yeah, yeah, we played so. Uh, the first was against uh, mono red aggro, and I was piloting the Valakut, uh, and you were you were the opposition. Yep, I, I was playing mon- the mono red aggro, which I'm right at home playing. And it really did exactly what I thought it would, which was it completely kicked your ass. It really games. did. My my notes my notes for mono red aggro incredibly flat fast exclamation point <laughs> <laughs> like it uh, I I couldn't get anything going in and we discussed a little bit that maybe if I was rolling like where I had to play turn two turn three turn four I could have set up in time before you were able to beat me. But, I mean, you get a bad draw, and mono red aggro stomps your face. Oh yeah, the you know plated geopedes, which are just quick drops with landfall. You know those plus the burn plus other miscellaneous quick drops, just you know hammer it India. It, it seems like a pretty unforgiving deck. Yeah, I, it, in uh, game two, I thought I had a chance to uh, to mount. Uh, a resistance against you, and uh, the turn before I could get that play going on, you're just like, mm, I guess that's 16 points of <laughs> yeah. damage, which uh, was my life total. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, conveniently enough, uh, and that was what turn four. <laughs> yeah, turn four. That sounds about right. <laughs> so uh, it was very, very impressive. And uh, but, I mean, w- why do you think the mono red aggro deck? Uh, isn't isn't the one on top in these tournaments? Like, what's stopping it? I think that right now it seems to be, like I was saying earlier, at rock paper scissors between Valakut, Red Aggro, and Blue White Jace Control. So mm-hmm. it's probably probably just because of pairings. If as long as if more Red Aggro is being paired up against Control versus Valakut, then it'll you know obviously go on to be the blue-eyed aggro who's the victor, who will then you know, play against more Valakut. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, Alright, play the GP. Well, I, I know he's been an all-star for a while now. He scares me. Just like Steplinks really scares me, because they require that landfall to be anything you want. And uh, and it's, it seems like every time every time I've got one of those decks in my hands, it's just like, hmm, yeah, I'm stalling out on the landfall here. You just gotta know when to when to play the landfall. Like, well, not play it, but um, the Sacklands. Um, I had, I think, one on the board when I attacked you that I didn't actually use for groundfall, so I could use it again the next turn to, after I played a second Geopede, to landfall in both. Yeah, which I, was a brilliant play and one that I was not thinking of. <laughs> and I believe that with that one, I had on the turn with the second Geopede, when I could attack with the both, I think I had top-decked another Sackland. Yeah, and Arid Mesa, and you threw yeah. that down. That was the, that was the uh, 16 points of damage, because you also had a Goblin Guide on the board. Yep, yep. Uh, that was That was brutal. So it's... 
Yeah, it's the landfall is the downfall essentially of that deck. If you're not hitting hitting the landfall, it's going to slow your momentum quite a bit. All right, and uh, I need to work on my transition material to get from deck to deck because I've got no way to segue into that. And the we played blue white control next, <laughs> right? Which I'm pretty sure be, beats red aggro. See, we're gonna we have to test that next. We'll week. have to test that, but that's just my gut feeling. We're right. um, we're we're, we're piloting mono red aggro next week, and we'll next week. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what it does again against uh, blue white control okay, amongst well, others. I'll hold that uh, thought for next week then. On the flip side, as to why another reason why Valakut's so, um, I think high profile right now is it won that first big tournament two weekends ago. Right. It won the 5K. So then everybody online was like, this is the deck to beat. So obviously, it was played very heavily at States. Yeah, but like, I mean, I mean, coming from like my perspective, where last week I played with it in a couple games against you, and then this week I played against you, and I lost to Mono Red Aggro, but I still 2 one on the night, as I and like all of our games were two zero. <laughs> like Correct. sideboarding did not really seem to affect <laughs> our games that much. Like blue white control, uh, I thought I thought I thought blue white control was was difficult, but I just I didn't feel like I was very surprised that that blue white control was not actually able to control the deck. Correct, and well, I'd say, I don't know, half of that being, that was my first time at the helm of blue-white control. I didn't exactly know all my options at all times, which is a key part of playing control. Right. So I'd say half of that was the player, not the deck. But I mean, you you would think with as many uh, high mana cost creatures as I had, and the fact that it's... Well, I guess it should be tap out, but considering I was getting all my land out onto the board, yeah, uh, any mana leaks were not going to scare me at some point. Correct. And so uh, the the sideboard in and the flash freezes helped. Yes. You know, because yeah. you're that's your two two colors, but yeah, um, I, I, it'd be good to see statistics of overall at states what percentage played Valakut. And see how that feeds into how how many times it hit the top eight. Yeah, that's that's more than we're really capable of. <laughs> yeah, all we could do is play one match and assume <laughs> how the deck does in a certain matchup, any yeah. given matchup. And I feel that it it two O's blue white control <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh, probably not. I would say. Um, I'd give it to Valakut, um, just over half the time. I'd say Valakut has a slight edge on blue-white control. I don't know, I think you're giving blue-white control too much credit, because there were a lot of things that, that, like, there were a lot of instances in the matches that we played where if, if you had an answer to, say, a Primeval Titan, I was holding... Like, I was specifically not casting, because I was playing against Blue White Control, not right. really, not casting my uh, summoning traps, because I wanted to get them out on the cheap. 
and I figured it was the perfect answer. Like you counter my primeval titan summoning trap will blow you out then. Right. For every answer I had, you had a answer to that. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's a good matchup. I just think it potentially could go either way. Now, how do you feel my my only note for the for the third match that we played Domination. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what that deck was supposed to do. Uh, it was uh, Bant Shaman. Yeah, and I you know I was playing through it, and the draws I was getting were nothing. Maybe I was, you know, that they were both pretty hand uh, land heavy, but both hand both opening hands were. But I was playing land, and I was playing some some you know cards out, and it wasn't really doing much of anything. I didn't draw a single damn shaman either game. So yeah, the deck didn't exactly live up to its namesake. No, and well, for you know, towards props to Valakut, both those games were very quick. You know, Valakut was solidly running on all cylinders both those games, and it was over by turn six, seven. Yeah, yeah, it was. uh, It was hard to saw, and and, uh, both games won by. By the namesake of the deck, Valakut, which uh, we did not experience last week. Where last week I was just like, I guess Valakut's just a target for the Tectonic Edge because Avenger of Zendikar owns. <laughs> yeah, no, Valakut's great when you, you know, can get two to three of them out and then just start dropping mountains. Yeah, and I, and I think it might have also been I, as I played the deck more, I got more proficient at what I needed. To win, exactly, and that's half of half the game right there is playing your deck until you know it inside and out. Half the battle, if you will, pretty much knowing. Yeah, which is I don't know. Uh, this is where I get on my old man's you know post and be just l- and complain about the internet, but um, that's half the issue with the decks is that it's easy to grab a deck list and try to play it. But unless you thoroughly playtest it, you know, you're not going to quite know what's going on. Well, that's why we're doing this. Pretty don't, much. Don't criticize me. <laughs> oh, I'm not criticizing you. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, you know, stupid internets. Back I'm not in my a day. Deck builder. I don't know if you knew this. What was that? I'm not a very good deck builder. <laughs> uh, well, some people are better players than builders. And that's why there's, you know, tournament reports and whatnot. It's always good to know what's going on and what's at the top of the game. Now, I, uh, before we started with the Valica thing, we uh, I showed you a deck list that uh, my buddy uh, Asshole Dan, uh, he put together. Is that from your Asshole group? It is from my Asshole group. But he was specifically Asshole Dan because there, there were a lot of Dans that we knew throughout time. Oh, okay. I mean, there was Balden, who was obviously bald, and Dan. You know, shit like that. So there was Pasizas, who was also named Pasizas. Pasizas. Okay. Yeah. See, he had he had uh, two fingers missing on his left hand. Uh, specifically, the uh, pinky finger and the ring finger. And so. We theorized that he could easily cheat at paper, rock, scissors. You know, to where he's throwing <laughs> out, he's like, Pasizas, Sapapa. You know. Nice. 
Hence earning him the nickname. Well, that's inventive to say. That. <laughs> yeah, we're we're nice guys, but uh, you know, we we really we really let you pass on your physical flaws <laughs> in our group. But uh, he's a much I I would say he's he's a good deck builder to me. But the deck that he the list that he gave me, granted it was a first draft of a deck, was not good. But yeah, it was um, it was interesting. The uh, I can see the intent behind it, and I think with some more refinement, it would be good. I don't know how competitive it would be. Yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, expensive is what it would be. It yeah. would definitely yeah. be that. <laughs> he uh, he spared no expense in in what he was picking. But uh, it. Uh, it, I guess it was it was supposed to play off the proliferate mechanic. So, you know, I mean, it was running contagion engines. It was running uh, steady progress, uh, contagion clasp. Uh, you know, even uh, throne of geth. But uh, <clears throat> I, I didn't feel like what it was proliferating made a difference. Right. Uh, and it, I mean, it has. It has three different planeswalkers in it. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't flow. It was very clunky, and uh, the mana base seemed a little bit off. Specifically, the fact that it has nothing in it that uses landfall, but still wanted to use sack lands. Right. They're. Yeah, we're discussing that about there might be some great secret that we're missing. Yeah, if there, the, if there is, if someone out there is listening and knows the great secret to using Seclans to no effect except you lose one life, please let me know. Yeah, um, and that first game, I was playing my new Mirror Artifact deck, which needs quite a bit of refinement because it seemed very clunky <coughs> pardon me um very clunky but not quite just wasn't quite going as fast as it should be well if it go any if it was going any faster it'd be mono red aggro dude because <laughs> it seemed to be going very very fast in that game oh, at it, least by my standards maybe even yeah. not by your old school standards <laughs> where games end by turn three but by by the modern magic mid-game level it seemed to be very fast. yeah it was over it by Turn ten, eleven ish, which is I think the the right the right turn to end a game. Okay, uh, it seems based on my experience at states and what I saw that the meta game now is slowed down quite a bit. Yes, which is uh, purely intentional by design. Right, which is why I'm a firm believer in mono red aggro and you know green aggro. Is that whenever and white weenie for that matter, uh, whenever you slow down the metagame, you know, the small, aggressive decks usually start to shine. But, I mean, I completely understand where you're coming from, because when I first came back to Magic, everyone was, uh, you know, fawning over the Titans. Right. And I was like, they cost six, though. Because <laughs> when I left the game, six was unreal. Six needed to win you the game right there, then and there. You know, that's always been one of the... the 
I don't want to say cornerstones of my of magic philosophy, but that's always been a big tenet from back in the day was if it costs more than five or six mana, it better be a game winner. Yeah, I mean it I mean back during Time Spiral into Lorewind block, it was like you know, if it costs four, well I guess you're playing a control deck. Right. Because you're definitely not playing aggro if you're putting things in the cost four. You know, right. like your four your four mana spell was your big bomb. Yeah, especially with a good aggro deck, your four mana is your the top end of your mana curve. Yeah, I mean we we came off of a we came off of a block with you know uh, three threes for one and you know five fours for two with Tarmogoyf and yeah and things like that. Now it's like you know six six mana is just standards like. Oh, that's our big bump. This is six. You know, we're going to drop down Titan, and we're going to get a couple land. Yeah, which on the flip side, their six mana creatures are still completely reasonable. Like, they're not... It's not like you're paying six mana for, like, a 4-4. Right. I mean, it's 6-6 six, six for six, passes the vanilla test, and all of them have fantastic abilities that are... Really made, really made fantastic by the fact that they trigger both when they come into play and when they attack. Right. Like one of the prime examples, which I'm glad they finally took out of the base set, is Mamadi Dijin. Uh, right? Jite. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like you know, six mana for a five-six flyer. Oh wait, That's no. You're okay. We're talking the, about. We're talking about something completely different. Oh, are we? <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's... I'm, I'm talking about M- Mamadi, the blue one, two blue, four colorless. Okay, I'm talking about Umazawa's Jite, the oh, artifact no, no, no. from, <laughs> from Kamigawa <laughs> Block. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about Mamadi Yujin. Okay. Um, it was in every base set from Alpha to, uh, not everyone, but most from Alpha to 10th. It looks like it skipped 5th and 6th edition. But it was just a worthless creature. Like, who wants to pay six mana for a 5-6 flyer? Me? Now now you pay six mana, you get value for that six mana. Yeah. I mean, it was blue, though. It was a blue rare. Yeah, but blue blue is typically not past the vanilla test. There's There's always been, like, the vanilla test for blue is completely different. Black and red have always had this completely different sort of scale... Like two two mana, you know, a red and one colorless. You know, you're like, oh, it's a two one for a red and one colorless. That fits the test. Yeah, true. Um, you know, same thing with blue, where you're like, oh, it's you know, you're paying you're paying six for you know a uh, five four or whatever, you know, because right. you pay you pay two for or you pay uh, four for two fours in blue. So with flying, right. Um. On the flip side, that same six mana in today's standard buys you a Frost Titan. Yes. Yeah, a 6-6 for six that taps down things. Right. As opposed to a 5-6 flyer? Does nothing else. That does nothing else. Except for piss you off when you get it as your rare in your pack. (laughs) Here's a question for you. Yeah. You have a long history of magic. What is your favorite magic card of all time? My favorite magic card of all time? Oh, that's a tough call. Um, 
I I'm torn between either Dark Ritual, mm. which is just it always makes me sad that they've taken it out because it gave Black that extra little bit of speed that it always needed. Um, Priests of Titania. Do, do you know what they are? No. Best Delphi ever printed. They are out of Urza's Saga. And it was... Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. Priests of Titania. Okay, it was a 1-1 one, one elf, and I knew that, for one colorless and one green mana. And it was tap to add one green mana to your mana pool for every elf in play. Okay, so, I mean, sort of similar, you know, uh, one mana cheaper than, than an elvish archdruid. Right, but for every elf in play, where the archdruid is just the elf you control, correct? Yes, it's right. uh, elves you control, and uh, and also it, it also gives other, it's a lord for elves Right, as well. yeah, it's a lord. So the priests were one mana cheaper and covered both players, or all players in a multiplayer game. You're not gonna you're not gonna see that too much anymore. Uh, no, what that's one thing I actually appreciate about the new stuff. Yes, is that it's it's segregated out like that. It makes yeah. it a little bit easier to you know keep track of what's going on. Yeah, and it just I mean it's cards are more fun to play when they only affect you. Correct. <laughs> you know, especially when it comes to pumping things like, mm-hmm. uh, um, I believe that didn't. Didn't Glorious Anthem, didn't that used to pump everything? Glorious Anthem? You mean a crusade? No, I mean Glorious Anthem. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Are are you familiar with Crusade? No. Uh, Kids. Um, Crusade was only printed, according to this, up through like 6th edition? No, 5th edition. No, 6th, sorry. It was two white mana. Um, All white creatures get plus one, plus one. And then they decided that that was too good, and so. Um, but, it's, Lord, but it's not considering they have honor the pure now, which is white creatures you control get plus one plus one for one for a white and a colorless. Okay, that's actually better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, glorious anthem is um, creatures you control. Yeah, glorious anthem is no longer. Good enough, apparently, and Honor the Pure is, is the new Glorious Anthem. Well, that's good, too, though. But the only problem with that is it's not all creatures. Because I remember back during uh, Time Sprout Block, a deck that I had a lot of fun with was a white-green aggro deck that, okay. ran, that ran both uh, Glorious Anthem and uh, the green Glorious Anthem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. it had the, same, had the exact same effect, too. It was just all, cre- all creatures you control. So, you know, you, you were able to run eight in the deck. It was uh, it was pretty sweet, and there were also things that fished out enchantments and put them into play, and that was that was fun. Very nice. Um, my favorite magic card of all time uh, would have to be uh, Mishra, Artificer Prodigy. Okay. And are you familiar with him? Um, yes, he was the one that fished artifacts out when you. Did yes, he costs he costs one, a red, a black, and a blue. Okay. And uh, he was a four four, so he was a four four for four. <clears throat> but whenever you cast an artifact spell, 
you could search your library for a copy of it and put it into play. Correct. Uh, and I ran him in my Stuffy Doll deck. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> Along with uh, Pariahs? No, I, I actually oh. did not run Pariahs with that. It was uh, because uh, my old group, we played Type 2 and we played multiplayer pretty much exclusively. Okay. Uh, Magic just wasn't fun to us if you're only playing one person because we all like to win way too much. But in multiplayer, right. you can laugh it up and be like, "Ah, oh, it's multiplayer." But if you're it's one on one, you're like, "He can't be better than me." <laughs> I'm going to rage. So we didn't play a whole lot of one on one Magic. But uh, okay. the idea was, you know, you could you get out, uh, you put out a stuffy doll, you get another stuffy doll with Mishra. Uh, you put out a stuffy doll, you get another stuffy doll with Mishra, and usually you would have everyone covered by that point. And, uh, you know, you had a sack outlet, that way if, you know, there were more than four people, more more than four people playing against you, you could sack a stuffy doll to it, and then you get stuffy doll back with uh, the Telerian Academy. Right. Or Academy Ruins, actually. Academy Ruins? I yeah. say you're playing with an Academy? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Academy Ruins. You, okay. You get back with that, and that way you can you can keep going. And uh, the idea was to scred your stuffy doll. Okay. Uh, you know, and you played with nothing but Snowlands, of course. <laughs> so that that Mishra was the engine that made that all work. And with Scars of Mirrodin out, I really really want to see a reprint of Mishra at this point. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, oh, it would be really awesome now. Yeah, and it's funny that you're wanting reprints of cards that are only you know a couple years old. Well, it's probably, what, four years old now? Yeah. Well, actually, longer. It's like Oh, five, longer, yeah. Five years old now. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> so, Jeez, can't even play it in extended. <laughs> that's right. I'll have to bring my Mishra Vintage deck. See, and that, that's why you should play Vintage. So you can just be like, well, I want to use these cards with these cards. Mishra, Mishra was not competitive in Standard. He would definitely not be competitive in Vintage. There you go. You, you Go ahead and build your Mishra Vintage deck, and I'll grab my Vintage Elf deck. He was he was nothing more than just a uh, a kitchen table card that was really fun. Yeah, that's where some of my favorite games come from, though, is just... The, the casual decks that are a lot of fun to fun to play. Like your mirror deck, which I'm sure would be a blast. Yeah, and that's I think that's half my issue why I'm not as successful at tournaments as that I'd like to be. It's because I can't take a deck to a tournament that I won't find fun to play. You know, that that's what I loved about uh, the Soul Sisters deck when it was around. Were you, uh, were you paying attention to that? Nope. Uh, Soul Sisters came around right before the rotation. Oh, okay. And it was showing up in a lot of top eights, but it never it never got the win. But it was fun, and I I played the shit out of it. I played just random people on online on Magic Workstation, just with that deck over and over and over again. It was really fun, and it was a white weenie aggro deck that utilized both Soul's Attendant and Soul Warden. Okay. Uh. Because Soul Warden was printed in M10, Soul's Attendant was in Rise of Eldrazi, and they're both the same card with a different name. Excellent. So you could run eight. Uh, so you were pretty much guaranteed to hit 
your your sole warden or attendant, and uh, you ran it with the Johnny's Pride Mate. Yep. And uh, you also ran Kabir Crossroads, uh, I believe, from Rise of Eldrazi. Okay. Uh, or no, maybe it was World Wake. Oh, Kabir Crossroads was in Zendikar Block somewhere. And it was a land that when it came into play, you you gained two life. And uh, Sarah's Ascendant from M11 actually saw play and was a $6 card for a while. <laughs> because uh, it was really easy to get to 30 life. And so those one mana... One ones with lifelink became one mana six six flyers with lifelink. Okay. And uh, that was just that that deck was a blast. Uh, it seems like the the newer version of it is uh, the newest version of it is that uh, relic white weenie deck, which I will be putting together for standard tournaments in the future. Excellent. Why aren't you building Valakut for the standard tournaments in the future? Uh, money, man. Uh, true. Yeah, like Valakut. Like for one thing, Valakut has two coths in it. That's a hundred bucks right there. Oh yeah, damn it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a spendy deck. And Valakut is not really cheap <laughs> in itself. Not to mention Avenger of Zendikar and Primeval Titan, which Primeval Titan's a you know forty to forty-five dollar card. Valakut is expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that red aggro deck you were playing is is uh, pretty costly in itself. I mean, those sack lands are 10 to $11 a pop. Right. And, um, yeah. Which boggles my mind why, granted, landfalls, obviously. So when it... Um, the price will obviously drop once... All that rotates, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. The cost of type two is slightly ridiculous. Yeah, I, uh, I am running the Relic White Weenie deck because it's, I had a lot of the cards already, and it was very easy for me to pick up the rest, which I ordered online, and, uh, the most expensive card in the entire deck, only, it only runs one of them, and that's a Mox Opal. Right. So it it was just very easy to put together. I think I spent fifty bucks to get the pieces that I needed, and that included the thirty dollar Mox Opal. So the oh, other cards nice. I needed were only twenty bucks. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Which, so that's half a standard. You know, is a deck you can afford and a deck you enjoy. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's been pretty fun. Like I said, like there were tweaks that I wanted to make that to that deck, and. Uh, We'll go. We'll go over that next time. Sounds good. Uh, so, you know, I like later fuckers just doesn't seem <laughs> as uh, as cooth. Nah, it just doesn't. You know, it doesn't have the same pizzazz as kicked in the dice bags. So, I, um, tap it once for me. Tap it once for J. <laughs> <laughs> later, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>